Hey friends, welcome back to the Living Truth Podcast. Today, I have a really special guest. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of months since the last time we talked, uh, JK Amazie. And he is the CEO of Elevated Recovery. And so uh, we had such a great conversation. Uh, I looked at my calendar and it was like June 6th or something like that. So a couple of months ago, it probably felt like six months ago. <laughs> Many things that happened in between. But um, yeah, we had such a great conversation. And JK is like a, a brother from another mother, really. And um, all, all of the background and, and, and the things that we shared with recovery and uh, it was such a joy that uh, you know we we decided to go ahead and do this interview, and it's going to be a blast. So, welcome, J.K. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Honored to mm-hmm. be here, and I'm glad. I'm excited as you are to finally make it to this this point. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> elevated recovery. Um, the uh, the the first question that I that I have is what brought you to the point of starting Elevated Recovery, starting this company and into this process. Um, well, first off, I never imagined I would be doing it at this scale. Not until a few years ago. So I like to say I've been doing it for about five years terribly and six years with some level of competence. I would even go as far as to say excellence. Um, But I started Mm -hmm. off um, as an individual who was addicted to pornography and I was using um, my out of control sexual behavior to medicate uh, a lot of pain that was happening in my life. Um, The abbreviated version of the biography is that I was, uh, I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up in a Catholic family. Um, Both parents were, both of my parents were in the medical field. We were latchkey kids. We had a nanny who was taking care of us. And Michael, I was um, a huge fan of comic books. I'd read every comic book in the house. I was a voracious reader. My parents had to just hide things from me because I would read everything. I'd read the Bible cover to cover as well. Very voracious. And I saw this comic book and I asked her if I could read it. And she said, no, it's for, it's for grownups. So being persistent and determined as I was, I searched for it. And it turned out to be a graphic pornographic um, comic book um, with a theme that I later found, found out um, uh, was, became a big part of my arousal template. But that's a story for another time. Um, While at the age of eight years old, Michael, I wasn't able to become physically aroused, there was a change in my my state, my nervous system. There was excitement, adrenaline, knowing that what I did was naughty and that I was going to get into a lot of trouble. And I didn't think that was a big deal until I realized that it made me feel better. When I was rejected, when my parents didn't give me what I wanted, when I felt lonely or angry, I found that searching for nudity would, and seeing nudity would bring up that change in my state. Um, And before I knew it, I became dependent on it to feel better. Um, Eventually I hit puberty, learned how to masturbate, and I experienced orgasm, and it was off to the races from there. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yes, story that sounds all all too familiar. <laughs> all too to familiar. Yeah. Myself and so many of of our listeners too. 
So it changed your state. Um, do you think that as a kid, I mean, I, I know for me, I, I wasn't really aware of what I was doing or, or th consciously thinking I'm going to change my state of, you know, my emotional state. Mm. Um, but so did you, were you in touch with that when you were like in that eight oh, to, no, no. you know, through puberty and stuff? This Absolutely is stuff that you realize not. later on, right? Yeah. This mm -hmm. is in retrospect. I, I, when I became more educated on the topic, I began to, and even till today, to be frank, um, I still, when I work on myself, I still go back into my past and deconstruct things and come to understand them better. But no, very much uh, an unconscious situation all the way up through um, what I would call my acting out years in my early 20s, where there was more of a sense of consequence um, for my behavior. That was when I started realizing that, okay, um, you might just ruin your life if you haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, um, would you say that likely to have some pain in our life, it usually involves causing others pain, having our behavior cause others pain, right? So yeah. is that what happened in your 20s? Well, by the time I was in my 20s, Michael, um, I was in college. Um, I had become very isolated from an adolescence of um, an adolescence filled with shame. Growing up uh, as a Christian, um, I had a lot of guilt, unfortunately. The culture that I was in and my, my, my family was very big on using guilt as a motivator. So the fear of hell and eternal damnation, which had a really big impact on me. And it caused me to kind of push away from organized religion, a conversation you and I had. <clears throat> so by the time I got to my 20s, I'm filled with shame. Uh, I'm guilty. I have no idea how to date. My self-esteem is in the gutter because I don't think I am worthy of anything. And so in college, I would drink. I would go out to bars and clubs and uh, I'll try to meet women because that was the the only way that uh, I felt I got a little bit of a dopamine hit. Eventually, when it didn't work out, I would come back home. I would get on porn sites. I'd get on chat sites and I basically just chat with women till um, back then the credit card, they had an anti-gambling setup. I don't know if you're familiar with that where it was just like your card can't process anymore because you spent a hundred dollars on this within within like 20 minutes on this wow. website so it would stop you <clears throat> hmm. and finally it escalated to me getting on sites like craigslist and seeking different ways to act out sexually um and to answer your question in retrospect i was i had magnified a lot of very narcissistic traits that i had so I was not thinking of the pain I was causing other people. Um, as a matter of fact, it only came later when I got into a relationship a few years later that the pain hit me all at once at a meditation retreat. Um, and I just realized, I was like, dude, you have, you have harmed so many people. You don't even know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a gradual realization. Unfortunately, it was just like a being hit hit by an hit by an emotional train. Uh, coming to that realization, um, was it the same for you? Were you was it just a realization for you all at once, or did you have to do some work before you figured out that this was an mm -hmm. issue that you'd hurt other people? 
Yeah, it. Um, I in the same manner, I I had this the the way of compartmentalizing the behavior, right, and um, uh, isolating each event instead of. Um, so yes, uh, the the people that I harmed, I um, didn't add it all up to see this large sum of of what had really occurred, but I think I looked at them as isolated. Uh, incidents and all oh, those other people are, you know, um, wanting the same thing and I'm not harming anyone, you know, so it's, uh, it's a lot of self-deception and um, really trying to, I mean, the self-deception is really, was really that narcissistic tendency that you were talking about too, and, and um, trying to make myself feel better, feel mm -hmm. good um in spite of the things that i had done right so the self-deception trying to um protect myself and and who i thought that i was who i wanted to be who i but uh, most importantly who i wanted everyone else to see <laughs> right so um the damage uh was i was oblivious to it and then i uh i would say um it was, it came in chunks, you know, as far as realizing what I had done. Uh, yeah. Some of it, some of it was, um, you know, when I uh, cheated on my ex-wife and, and and went through a divorce. And so that was, that was a piece of it. Uh, there was another piece of it at um, one, you know, several years later uh, when I started getting into recovery and started working on myself. So I think there's, yeah, there was two or probably two or three phases where I really started realizing, but then, um, yeah, I think as I, as, as I continued in, <clears throat> in recovery, I was, um, learning more and more about how I really affected people, not just those that I, you know, directly had, um, interaction with, but really just um, understanding all through stuff like Google Analytics, you know, when I when I click the uh, uh, the porn site, and it registers my IP address or whatever site, you know, I didn't use I, I wasn't into using the incognito and all this stuff in the browsers yeah. and whatever, I didn't even know that stuff existed. I didn't <laughs> care. I just like, <laughs> click away. Um, I had covenant eyes on my computer, but uh, as a software developer, I knew all the ways around it. And so my accountability partner got a clean report, but I, um, you know, I was, uh, it, it was a lie. And so, um, so yeah, just understanding how um, whenever I clicked, um, it was a vote in favor of the porn industry mm. and how much that's linked to, you know, sex trafficking and sex uh vacations that people take to like thailand or whatever it's mm -hmm. just um it, it's i i was completely in denial of um the the impact and the magnitude of any of that you yeah. know um i didn't want to admit it but um uh so yes it was um dealing with a lot of shame did you have that experience though after you got to, to a point where you where you realized everything you was the shame related just to the religion that you i mean you you, you mentioned that but obviously you're you're helping people 
uh, move away from a porn addiction. So I assume mm-hmm. that there were some other associations with this behavior that was uh, had a negative <laughs> tone to it. Was it you were, were you ashamed about the behavior with or without the religious aspects in there? I was fortunate enough, and and first of all, your story is very <clears throat> is similar to mine, and I think it's it's you describe it so well. Um, probably a result of not just the work you've done, but you've probably spent countless hours um, mm-hmm. sharing the same and relating to other men. <laughs> thousands um, and thousands and thousands of dollars in therapy. I uh, <laughs> counseling. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm glad I- I'm glad I haven't keep track of that because if I if I did, I would probably be overwhelmed with the, whatever the number is. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's stuff that um, I I I tell uh, clients that sometimes reach out and a little bit disillusioned with whomever they're working with. That there's always something to there's always something to learn. You become a lot more discerning about professionals, and I told them that I personally think in the the world we live in now where finally and you know what it's like over the years when nobody paid attention to this uh suddenly it's it's blown up it's become more mainstream you get a lot of people um riding the wave so to speak which is unfortunate but i told them the benefit is you become more discerning as to who's really put in the years and you become discerning because of those investments that you've made and I think when you and I connected just from, we had an hour and a half long, pretty long conversation, maybe just over an hour. And I mm-hmm. think the only way we could have that conversation was, was just the fact knowing that we're kindred spirits in, in the, the story, right? It's, it's yeah. a very unique process um, that you go through compared to like substance abuse and so on. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it wasn't religion, uh, Michael. I, I, I resolved my conflict, internal conflict with religion in my mid twenties, um, where I finally personally realized that, um, my issue with religion was the man part of it (laughs) was the organized part of it. And, um, unfortunately being exposed to a church system, which was very heavy on ego and control. And I, I, I decided that I would step away from organized religion and build my own unique relationship with God. And interestingly enough, the moment I made that decision, not the moment, but I would say the months after that, um, things started opening for me in a way that were typically described by Christians as God is by their side. Um, and for me, it was ironic because it involved stepping away from that. So a lot of the shame I experienced was shame related to my ego and my self-image, which was just never enough. This thing was hungry. It's just I was always medicating at the end of the day of feeling of not being enough. And uh, the big thing with me is... um. To continue to reiterate to listeners, clients, prospects, everybody I meet that um, the ego is still very much there for me. Like all the the not being enough is there. Um, I've accepted it will probably take a lifetime for me to, um, to drop a lot of the conditioning that has been built up over, over decades. Um, 
But yeah, shame was related to who I was at the time. I was a director of a, not director, I had started selling door to door. I was, I had friends who thought that I was just a weird nerd, like innocent, not really capable of anything. Um, my parents, <laughs> even though I'd stepped away from religion, I still on the phone wanted them to think I was a good, a good boy, excuse me, mm-hmm. and really just seeking validation from women. I really wanted women to know that I was worthy of being loved or I was attractive. And when I didn't have that, and I ended up paying for, uh, for sex, so I ended up seeking sex in other ways. Yeah, the ego was hurt. The self-image was just like, yeah, this is not who you are. And thus the belief back then that I was a bad person through and through. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's uh, such a great way to describe uh, the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I am um, really in agreement with what you're saying. Organized religion is void. It can it can be. I, I know that there aren't. <clears throat> I don't want to bl- black and white say that the, the the church always does. You know, every church is bad or whatever it is. But um, but there is a lack of real relationship. And the re- religion in exchange for relationship with God is not um, the way that it was meant to be. Um, but uh, you read the Bible cover to cover. So you're, you're familiar with the Pharisees and all of that. <laughs> That's- I also sold the Bible door to door for a decade to put myself through college. No, really? I did. no kidding. Yeah. I worked no with uh, Thomas Nelson publishers. They had an internship arm where the wow. new King James version of the open Bible uh, we sold it exclusively to pastors and churches. So, wow. um, yeah, I, wow. I had, I had to show them the Greek and the Aramaic and how mm. it would help these, these Bible scholars, uh, ah. in their Bible study. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say at the end of the day with, with religion, um, ultimate and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, um, I work with a lot of Christian brothers who reach out. Many of them reach out because they, they're ashamed of the organized aspect of their church. They're going to be judged by their neighbors or their elders or deacons in the church, and they don't feel safe, which is unfortunate. Um, I tell them, ultimately, you should go back to the church. Um, and the prerequisite for leaving our program for those brothers is finding accountability partners outside of our program, Mm -hmm. unless they have a really great relationship with their APs in our, in our program, then it's good. But ultimately I've seen religion as a conduit to the divine, a conduit to spirituality, a conduit, just a path. And I think that has been bastardized by man, really just man has put his, his intentions in it and his talents in it and has taken something that was supposed to just be a guide for the everyday man who also needed a spiritual life. Um, And now people are disillusioned and lost. And I'll be lying if I said um, that I wasn't a little bit sad because even as somebody who doesn't identify as a Christian, I still know that when I was a child growing up, 
the innocent moments of my life, like after, once I, I became addicted, the moments that were happiest for me were moments around religion. It was little things like as a Catholic, mm. um, going for mass and just the silence of, and uh, the, I would say the sacred atmosphere of a cathedral and of going through taking Holy Communion and little things like Christian, like, like Christmas. It's pretty much the, the, the Jesus story um, and the energy that showed up around that time. Um, so I think they're beautiful parts around it that unfortunately it's when you meet uh, a Christian or somebody who used to be Christian and is struggling with this behavior and there's so much darkness, I almost feel a sense of responsibility to say, hey, um, if the only thing you can grab onto right now is your, and they're like, no, that's why I came to you. I, I came to you because I, I don't, I'm down with the church. I don't want to work with the, that's why I came to you because you say you're not a Christian and I know, and you've helped people and, and you're rebooted. I'm like, but it doesn't change the fact that the foundation was built on this. It doesn't change your baptism. It doesn't change any of those things. And you can try to find other things. I'm not saying they wouldn't work or the forms of spirituality wouldn't work. It's just that you're an adult now. Do you really have the capacity with a wife and a business and a career, you run, run to auto shops, do you really have the capacity to start building that and end your out of control behavior and deal with your wife's betrayal trauma, rebuild your relationship with your kids? Brother, isn't it just better to just go back to what worked and slowly mm -hmm. as you reboot and rebuild your life, simultaneously rebuild your spiritual capital? Um, mm -hmm. It takes a while. They usually disagree. But naturally, as you know already, Michael, the process of appropriately ending this behavior will always lead somebody, as far as I'm concerned, back to some form of spiritual inquiry. Mm -hmm. I think if it's done right. I've never seen it any other way. I've never seen someone who went all the way through the maintenance stage and never questioned why they're here or if there's more to their existence. I, <clears throat> JK, completely agree. Yeah. And um, I was just, as you were talking, thinking of the um, AA movement back in, when was it, you know, put together the 20s or 30s, and they created the 12 steps. And uh, it was a spiritual program from the beginning. And mm. they talk about a power greater than yourself. And that's the, um, one of the big problems you, and you mentioned it, the ego earlier. We are trapped inside of ourselves and we have to get outside of ourselves to really heal. And it doesn't work. Um, what we've, you know, how, how we've been handling it never, never really worked. Hiding and isolating and um, the uh, bringing it back around to a spiritual aspect. And you, you said a sense of purpose. I think, um, of all the different things, I think that's definitely included of what we're searching for. When we were acting out, it was a sense of purpose. You know, why Why am I here? What am I here for? What am I doing with my life? You know, um, am I just uh, another pawn, you know, to, to make money and die or whatever, save up for retirement, you know, all of that. And, and those things it can be really great. But yeah, a sense of, of purpose and spirituality, I think, are really critical 
Hey friends, that was part one of this two-part series with J.K. Amazie. Stay tuned. Two weeks from now, we're going to release part two, and this interview just continues to get better and better. Uh, The next episode, we're going to talk about how long it takes to recover. Where does a recovery program need to start? What areas of life does the addict need to look at in order to become free? And what happens when a man leaves a recovery program too soon. Don't miss the next episode that's going to show up in two weeks. And please, please do us a favor. If you love the Living Truth podcast, click on the stars, leave a rating. That is how the search engines uh, promote our podcast and other people are able to find us. So that is a way that you can promote it and share it with your friends, anyone that you know that could benefit from this. Thank you so much for doing that.